0: what's going on it's episode four um i'm actually kind of excited about this one i've had uh last week we talked with my brother a little bit um trying to get some perspective on what it's like right now um in the world of college athletes and what their day-to-day looks like and how it may have differed um, from what it was like prior to COVID and everything going on. And I actually had some phone calls today with some uh, former players at Penn State who played way before me um, and uh, a few other people. And we were just talking about this whole thing going on with – I don't know if – Many of you guys are aware, but the Power Five uh, commissioners called an emergency meeting. I think it was yesterday. Um, following the release that they plan to play this fall, play football this fall, they called an emergency meeting. And um, it turns out it looks like a few conferences are now um, going back on that, uh, and particularly the Big Ten. Um seems to be headed in the direction of not playing football this fall. Um, and after getting some perspective and like I said, on one of my earlier episodes, I talked about how I didn't think that they were going to play just because I didn't think it was going to make, um, it was going to be feasible with all the, all the restrictions and COVID and state to state and testing and quarantine regulations and stuff like that. Um, you know, this whole thing comes as a, not as a surprise to me, but on the surface, uh, the more and more I kind of dive into it. Like I said, I had some conversations today. Um, you know, the PAC 12 had, uh, a little bit of a movement. I believe it was called like the, we are united or something like that. And, um, it was headed towards almost a unionization of players. And it's funny because when I was playing um, and right kind of, yeah, pretty much when I was up at school, Northwestern had tried this and um, I was just doing, I was actually just reading a little uh, write-up about that and they, uh, Kane Coulter and one of the linebackers on the team Made a huge push for this. I mean, they they had pretty much the entire team signed union signed union papers and turned it in, and um, it ended up getting declined. Um, but the vast majority of their basis was centered around you know the health and well being of players, and um, you know also looking at the uh, also looking at um, you know compensation if their scholarship really uh, was enough for the value and the revenue generated from college football. Um, and uh, one of the numbers that I found was interesting was, you know, professional sports have their, have their players associations that protects them. And, and every year they have CBA every 10 years they have CBAs and there's always, everyone talks about the NFL CBAs and the lockout back in 2010 and, Um, the one metric that I thought was insane, I was reading the sports Illustrated article, I actually just pulled it up right now. Um, if the revenues were shared, um, with the NCAA with college football players, as if they were shared, um, on the same basis as it is in pro football. Every Division One player would be worth about one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars per year, which is nuts. When you start thinking about that and doing the math, I mean, typically looking at it like a four-year scholarship at Penn State, out-of-state tuition, you're talking two hundred and fifty grand. You know, these guys would have generated that by their second year on campus. So. This whole thing, and like I said, kind of tying this back to what I was starting this whole conversation, it um, off with being, you know, that I don't think they're going to play, I think it's starting to have a lot less to do with COVID and a lot more to do with the NCAA and the powers that be within each conference being scared to death of these players unionizing and starting to want to get their fair, fair cut of the cake. Um, You know, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously a very sensitive subject. And I've talked about it a lot, even thinking back to when I was on campus and certain classes always had certain debates and topics of papers. And this was always one of them that seemed to come up and, um, you know, just the one thing that I, that I say, you know, it, America is a capitalistic economy. You know, you work for what you get and everything's not fair. Um, but as I said, if you put the work in, you know, you have the ability to um, capitalize on that, you know, and, and value is something that needs to be rewarded. And a lot of these players bring, a lot of monetary value to these schools um, that, that I believe far exceeds just a scholarship. If um, I think the bigger evil in all this is the NCAA because of how much they benefit from these players and how much their regulations limit these players. And even since I left school, there's been a lot of strides, especially with like players being able to now capitalize on their likeness and things like that. But, um, the NCAA has really uh, hammered down and been pigs with this whole situation, even more so than the schools. I think the schools, you know, even going back a few years would have definitely been much more open to a transition. But like I said, I think these players unionizing and really starting to, to take um, their health and their value into their own hands has really scared these guys. And I think um, that, is more of the reason as to why they don't want to play this fall. Because if they do play this fall, the money generated isn't going to be what it usually is. And these players now have a basis for value that they do create. You know, there's still going to be TV contracts. There's still going to be viewership on TV if they were to play. And, uh, you know, these players would be able to start now fighting for those rights to um, get a piece of that. And I really do think that it has the conferences and the NCAA backpedaling. And I think it's something that really needs to be explored um, and kind of dove into by, by the media and people on the surface rather than it just being blamed on COVID because that's the easy thing to blame it on. Um, you know, you see the, like I said, two in my previous episode, you know, I, I, I don't think if we're going to play by the rules that were laid out with COVID, I don't think that it, that it's possible to play a football season, but if they were going to make exceptions to the rules, you know, I, I don't think these players are at any more risk playing um, f- football during this pandemic than they would have been if they were just playing football not in the pandemic, just because of the risks that they take every snap. And I also touched on that in a previous episode. So I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting thing uh, to dive into and think about, you know? Um, the Big 10 did one. They just tried to start following the Pac-12. The Big 10 did one called the Big 10 United And this one claims to have over a thousand Big Ten football players and a lot of their demands were much more targeted towards health and safety and dealing with COVID. And, um, you know, I think that 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 makes a lot more sense than I think the Big 12. I haven't read the entire um, We Are United and and what their – or the Pac-12, sorry, but um, what their entire – Basis of uh, their union or quasi union, or you know, threats to opt out and stuff like that, um, is really built upon. But it does include some racial injustices and and economic rights um, based upon revenue and revenue sharing and stuff. So, you know, I think it's I think it's interesting and. It, so funny, man, like I'm sitting here doing this podcast and, and trying this out and there's nothing going on in the sports world right now. And usually this time of year, there's a lot going on. Um, so, you know, you now kind of get to start diving into more finite political based topics of conversation within sports that oftentimes get overlooked. And I think that this is a serious conversation that needs to be had and, and normal viewers can now start trying to put them, put themselves in these players' shoes a little bit and, and realize, you know, like I said, the value that these college football players bring to universities and the money that they do generate for organizations like the NCAA and the conferences and <clears throat> how when you really start looking at it, they really don't get a fair share of of the pie um and i always try to compare it to uh and i know i'm kind of all over the place but trying to tie this in to something i was saying earlier you know as i said i had these conversations about players and compensation and like i said most people sit there and say oh well your your school's paid for and you're not going to have student loans and this and that and the other thing but you know, there could be an academic student on campus who's on a full academic scholarship, let's say a a math student, and he could write a bunch of thesis papers that end up getting published, and can pocket all that money from them while they're in school, and no questions asked, you know, Um, there's there's no overruling governing body that stops them from being able to do that. And I know it's a totally different thing, and oftentimes universities and, and academics don't like to hear it because of that whole jock label and stuff like that. But these guys are smart, and their um, their value cannot be overlooked um, financially. And uh, there's something to it. There is definitely something to it. Um, you know, this kid could be a projected first round pick, and You know, the stipend checks that come in, he's got to pay for rent, he's got to pay for books, he's got to get to and from campus, and, you know, he's also got to eat, and there's a lot of things that go into it. And on top of that, he's in a full, full year schedule that is mandated by the coaches and stuff. He doesn't have free time to go get a job. Um, If he's playing every week, he's got to prepare, he's got to watch film. So, um, you know, some of these guys can't stretch it out. And if the way that they perform on a football field can get them a few extra bucks so they can eat right. And even, you know, better help their performance. You know, I don't, I don't see how that's wrong for that guy to be able to do that. And the fact that there's some guy sitting in an office in the NCAA headquarters saying that that's wrong and you can be suspended and can't do that. You know, it's unfair. Um, and like I said, I think that this, this pandemic has created a perfect storm for players to start to use their influence in a way that I don't think these conferences expected. And it's it's been scary. It's been scary for a lot of these conferences. And that's why I don't think they're going to play, man. Um, at least the conferences are going to try to avoid it like the plague because, like I said, I think it's going to be – if they did play, it's going to shift a lot of power to the players um, that they don't want to deal with when norm- when some form of normalcy returns. Because this season will be a proof of concept for the players that, uh, that they needed, I think. If it was to go on, I think this proof of concept would be much needed. You know, I, Trevor Lawrence – started that whole, you know, we want to play thing. And you saw a bunch of guys across the country get on board with it on social media and really start, start hammering. Even coaches, coaches are getting on board with it. You know, I just looked at a tweet, coach Franklin put out a really nice thing talking about how, how much time they invested in this and how they want to play. And, you know, these coaches have the players backs and um, Yeah. I don't know, man, but that's my hot take for the day. Like I said, you could talk about this for a really long time. You could start going down a bunch of rabbit holes and looking at it from different ways. and um, But I think it all just keeps coming back to the fact that there's they're terrified. The conferences and the NCAA are terrified of the players right now because they have all the power in this situation. And The only way that they can regain any type of power is by shutting down the season. So we'll see what happens. I will be very interested to see what happens here by the end of the week because it's Monday, and uh, we're going to find out. We are going to find out. There's already been some leak stuff about the Big Ten shutting it down. Then to kind of piggyback off the conversation we had with my brother, um, you know, football gets shut down. There's no way that soccer or baseball or, I mean, any other fall sport that isn't necessarily a big money generator for any school isn't a money generator at all for any school. um, There's no way that they're going to play. So there's going to be a trickle down effect. A lot of a lot of collegiate athletes are going to their season and their future is going to be hanging in the balance here this week. I know I just made that sound really, really dramatic, but it's also true. So we'll see what happens. That's all I got for Hacks Hot Take this this Monday evening. And uh, we will be doing a double-down special next episode. I am going to uh, bring on my wife, who was an extremely successful athlete herself, played lacrosse at Penn State, four-year starter, All-American, the whole nine. And we uh, covering some topics about women's athletics and men's athletics. And you know I think it'd be a... It, be ashamed just with this year and everything that went on, you know, passing a Kobe Bryant and how much he did with women's athletics and trying to push for, uh, equality in the sports. I think it will be cool to get her perspective on that and, and, and see, um, you know, just have kind of a real organic conversation. So that's what I got for you guys coming up within the next couple of days. And, uh, I I appreciate the listening and I hope I didn't babble too much. But like I said, this is a very complex issue that we have at hand. And I, and I, I, I encourage you as, as sports fans, as, um, people who care about college football. I think you guys should dive into it too and see, I think you guys should do some research and try to put yourselves in the player's shoes. Um, You know, look into it and see where they're coming from and try to hear them out. Um, And I think a lot of you will start to realize the commonalities of it and and, and start to draw parallels with your your jobs, especially if you're a blue-collar worker and you're part of a union. Um, I think you guys will definitely draw parallels to what these players want. And I think you'll also see why the conferences and the NCAA are shaking in their shoes. So look forward to uh, circling back up with you guys this week. Peace.